Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Yes. Hi, Octane. Matt, Matt, I got some opening banner for you. Oh. You know, it's crazy. The outline just says opening banter. We usually try and make it more fluid than that, but you just no, just uh, do it. <laughs> very, very much a lack of a segue here. I'm just going to just gonna preface it. Opening banter time. Opening banter. Um, I had a great, great time this past Friday at round one. Uh, oh. Now, pe- for people who don't know what round one is, round one is sort of like a Dave & Buster's slash bowling alley uh, chain in Southern... I think they're just Southern California. I'm not sure of any round ones anywhere else, but typically you find them at a mall. Um, I found mine in Burbank. Um, Katie, who you know, you guys have heard me mention on the podcast many times, my girlfriend, wanted to go to round one for whatever reason last week. And we ended up going on Friday and had an awesome time at an arcade. Probably the first time since the pandemic uh, you know, started. I think it's been two years to the day um, that California first instituted its like kind of shutdown, uh, March, March, mid-March 2020. So anyway, went to round one, uh, got the, loaded up the card with like $45 worth of credits, uh, hit like everything, skee-ball, uh, basketball, uh, we, we did like House of the Dead. There was this insanely scary like 4D shooting game, zombie game thing. I didn't get the name of, that was super fun. We played Dance Dance Revolution, took me like 10 tries, but I won Katie a plush. Oh. From one of the claw machines. That was awesome. Um, that's huge. And, that's honestly, you know, dude. that's a Chad move. Yeah. You know, I, you know what's crazy too? I'm going to be honest, everyone. I knew he went to, I knew he went to a uh, round one. He dropped me off at the airport and then he went with Katie. And as they were dropping him off, I, I looked Katie in the eyes and I said, Katie, he's not going to win you a plushie. <laughs> no one can win at those things. It's rigged. I, I did it. But you defied the odds. Yeah, there's a trick. There's actually a trick. Um, I was going through. So claw machines have a little trick. Um, I knew about this before. Uh, actually, shout out to G4. Uh, there's a super old uh, cheat episode. I don't know if you remember the, the show Cheat back in the day, Matt. Mm-mm. It may. I, now, this is a super old memory. This may either be Cheat or like how it's made or something on Discovery Channel back in the cable days. But basically, there was ways that you can rig or beat those claw machines, even though they were rigged. Basically things like every six tries on the claw machine, it would have a stronger grip on it. Certain things like if you look to the side of the claw machine and got like a different angle on it, you can kind of see pretty classic claw machine move right there. So when you observe a claw machine, you can pick up its pattern and say, okay, every roughly six goes, this will have a stronger grip. Other super pro move, when you kind of, jiggle the joystick a little bit it'll re-angle the claw so if it's like a three-prong claw it'll kind of twist that way a little bit when you shake it or twist this way a little bit when you shake it it doesn't really work uh, for the people just listening to the podcast but you drop it down and it'll hit a different angle so pro tips right there love it yeah uh i'm not even gonna pretend i am terrible at those things um i remember growing up going to the like pizza parties after my soccer games and stuff um, at the end of the season where, you know, even the ones where it's just, you put it in a quarter to try and get some candy. I can't even get the fucking candy. It's just, <laughs> just fucking dog trash. But yeah, man, round, round runs. 
we're out, I don't know if anyone's in the Southern California area or if we're wrong and there's more out there, you know, uh, shoot us an email about your time at round one. I, I'd love to hear about it. Cause those are, they're awesome. David Buster's genre stuff is popping. Um, I, that, that, that'd be a very good, anything's possible. Yeah. Um, those kind of, it's like the new a, arcade. It'd be a great anything's possible to do whenever we finally do, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's for the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good idea. Yeah. The thing that's interesting, I think, about those kind of the new style of arcades is like, I remember back in the day, it was GameWorks, your random arcades on the corner, um, local arcades and stuff like that were super big in like the 90s and the early 2000s. But now what they've done is they've added bowling alleys in them and bars. That yeah. is it. Yeah. That is like how that you was the move. get people. Yeah, yeah, that was the move. Start, smart marketing and business decisions all around for, Honestly, for these it, new iterations. That's just like a really good time. I, I think I would have more fun in a club or excuse me, in a round one than I would like a club most days Dude, of the week with the right well, people. Remember that barcade we hit up? There's a great barcade in LA in the arts district called 82. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons yeah. of pinball machines, super fun, uh, always popping off. There's like street, old Street Fighter cabinets there, Pac-Man, Centipede, um, and a bar. Uh, so <laughs> it's like pretty fun place to go to if you're just trying to drink and, and play some games and have some fun. Hell of a good time. Yeah. And the 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 reason I, I bring up the bar is, you know, I mean, when I think of or the club is like, I think, you know, when, when you're in your 20s, I think the way a lot of people think of going out is either like, oh, going out to bars, drinking or going out clubbing. It's like, no, fuck you. I'm going around one. I'm going bowling and I'm playing the fucking like Mario Kart there. You yeah. Know? Like, oh, it's a more fun these days. Played some. Um, I got got pretty sweaty with Mario Kart with Katie. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> it was good. And on the topic of clubs, Ooh. I was actually in a little, I don't know if I'd call it a club. I was at a venue in San Francisco this past weekend called Public Works. I was up there visiting. And my God, Lucas, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Lucas. After having played a few video games now that have scenes in clubs, I am astonished with how every club has the same kind of generic... Every video game club music has the same kind of generic house music that you find in a very, like standard issue generic house actual actual club playing house music and i i remember i'm texting you i'm like lucas i'm like kind of buzzed pretty drunk at this point I'm like lucas i can't i can't stop thinking about heavy rain <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's just ah oh, such an interesting experience i was like oh my god the, the video game is becoming real a guy just offered me ketamine i don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> that is, is not exactly a joke everybody. like heavy rain that is not that a joke is, some yeah, homie yeah. offered me ketamine i was like you know what man I got my margarita. I'm good. Thank you, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Weird night, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just blown away because like every video game just has that same. Every video game of the club scene has that same generic club music. I was like, dang, can't can't get past me. Well, that's the thing too. Every movie is like the same thing. You're right. It's like club scene portrayals are very similar, uh, like across media for whatever. Reason. It's like everybody's been to the same club. It's like yeah. an underground kind of really big. For some reason, you can talk and hear people audibly while in the club in every video game and every yeah, movie and yeah. stuff. When you're in a club, you're screaming at the top of your lungs um, at the person next to you. Uh, yeah, uh, but the the house music for sure is always like the same yeah. track. And it particularly reminded me of um, the game we're talking about today, which has a club level, um, which we'll get into here shortly. But the game we are talking about today, Lucas, not only... Not only does it feature a club 
But it also features a man. <laughs> a hit man, M-A-N. That's right, everyone, today we are talking about the number one assassin simulator, Hit Man 3. Dun, dun, dun. That is right, the 2021 third-person stealth game, the penultimate game to the Hitman trilogy by IO Interactive, 9 out of 10 on IGN, 90 out of 100 on PC Gamer, 9 out of 10 on GameSpot, 9 out of 10 on Game Informer, 87 out of 100 on Metacritic. The winner of the 2021 Golden Joystick Awards for PC Game of the Year, Hitman 3. Pretty, pretty incredible. And um, for anyone that might be a little unfamiliar with Hitman, I'm going to give a very, very, very brief synopsis here of um, the Hitman 3 as best as I can and the Hitman series as best as I can. And you know, as I was typing this out, and we'll get this video on my career, we'll get into this later. As I was typing this out, I realized how hard this was to even write up an explanation. So it's pretty short, so bear with me. But uh, Hitman 3, following the events of Hitman 2, Agent 47 and his handler, Diana Burnwood, defect from the ICA, aka the Inter International Contract Agency, and join forces with Lucas Gray to destroy Providence, an alliance of corporate executives and industrialists that wield political power, military, and economic fluence. And that's the game. So it's basically... Um, <laughs> it's, really, it's really all we could really get from it, I think. It's basically like Jeff Bezos versus QAnon. Um, is like... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, uh, I was really trying to think of a better comparison there, and that's just where I landed for some somehow. Well, it's funny because he is like just a bald very angry looking bald man. I mean, he does look mm. like Jeff Bezos in that one photo that became viral where like Jeff Bezos is like, has the sunglasses on and it's like, you know, the first yeah, panel is like, yeah, yeah. I sell books on the internet. And then the next panel is like, it's I like own you. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, buff. Yeah. that's like the, the Asian 47 right there for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Very, very interesting game. Um, but before we dig deep any further here, everyone, I'd like to remind you, you know, Maybe maybe you didn't want to hear us talk about Hitman 3 today. Maybe you wanted to hear us talk about another game. Uh, shoot us an email. Thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. We'd love to take viewer, listener, and viewer recommendations on uh, what podcast you would like for us to, or what games you'd like to play for the podcast. Um, and as well, you can find us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at TFP Podcast. Uh, leave a follow there and you know, shoot us a message. You know, let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you want to see. We're here to please. And hey, wherever you listen to your podcast, leave a review, subscribe, leave a follow. Helps us out. Helps the podcast grow organically and uh, gives us good feedback on what you do or don't want. And, you know, we just had a really cool episode come out on with Dennis Dyack on that's right talking about his new game dead house sonata came out just last week um whole bunch of cool stuff really great conversation we had with him wonderful guest wonderful person so go 
go check it out. But right. enough of that. Initial thoughts. Hitman Three. Initial thoughts. Yeah, I could this, start. Yeah. Are you want to yeah. go? I'm just. I just. I just want to say this game is so fucking confusing at first. Um, <laughs> Save. I'll be that honest. Was my initial thought here too. <laughs> I'll be honest. This is my first Hitman game. Um, I'd always been super interested in the series, just kind of looking at it, you know, from like a telescope far away, looking at it, seeing what's cracking inside. And then when I first got into it, I was so confused because I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting this fast paced assassin gameplay where I'm super sneaky, super like James Bondy. Um, which speaking of which the developer IO interactives next working project post hitman three is actually titled project up seven. So oh. interesting to see what that is, but yeah, I was just very like confused. Cause it, I, I think when you think of hitman three, probably on the outside looking in without any context of what the series is actually about, like I mentioned, you're probably thinking maybe of more of like a James Bond type character, but when you actually play the game, what you're really met with is this cold calculated kind of emotion, not emotionless, um, bland personality meant to be like genetically engineered to be emotionless emotionless yeah yeah. guy and you're just kind of running around this honestly little bit of a goofy these different goofy sandboxy levels and you're just kind of finding ways to take out your your targets and you know the game does a very good job of kind of letting you play within that sandbox and choose choose your own adventure in a sense and kind of choose your own avenue for how you're going to um, take out your targets. And while it's a bit janky at first with the controls, I think are a little took a moment to get used mm-hmm. to. Cause I think, you know, when you think of a third person game, you might think of something that's super smooth, super easy to play, probably something like a horizon or something like that, or um, any other third person game really. But you know, it, Hitman three isn't meant to be played fast per se, right? It's meant to be played at a pace where you're clearly, Every, every decision's calculated, right? And that really shows through with how the gameplay is by design presented to you, the player, I think. That's right. Um, and also, it's just a little goofy, little comedic with the kills, but um, it's overall just a fun sandboxy environment. That's kind of my initial thoughts after beating the very first level. Yeah, same. Um, I, initial thoughts here for me. I mean, I like the game a lot. Uh, it was super fun to just chill out and play for sure. Um, every, every level was sort of like a, a, a very, uh, open sandbox to kind of do whatever that you want to do. Um, you're basically given one goal at the beginning of every single level. It's kill this target or kill these targets, right? By any means and necessary. Maybe, maybe collect a document. Maybe collect a document. There is some of that. Um, and find an escape, like escape at a certain point, right? But no guns blazing is really going to serve you really, really right here. Um, you can try it though, if you want. You could, and I did try it a few times, and it just didn't really work out for me. It's funny. I, I I think I found the same problem that you found when I first jumped into the game is I really, like, was trying to play the game differently. Um, I was trying to, like, go in guns blazing. I wasn't really trying to gather all that much intel. So it took me a while to actually get the game to click for me. Um, I actually had to go back and play the tutorial uh, of the game because this is, admittedly, it's my first Hitman game as well. And um, I think it's... Maybe going to be a lot of people's first Hitman game. Um, it's the mo- highest, most highly rated Hitman game. It's had the most commercial success of any other Hitman game. I believe it includes the other Hitman games and DLC. Mm-hmm. It's sort of yeah. all in one package. Um, not every Hitman game, but every Hitman game in the World of Assassination trilogy, which is Hitman, Hitman 2, and Hitman 3, some of the most recent Hitman games. 
so the way it's been, the way this game plays is a very no, can be a very non-linear sandbox to just assassinate your target. That being said, there are a lot of rules. There's a lot of mechanics that don't get very well explained to you in the first level. You kind you kind of should play the tutorial. I'd say as advice for anybody jumping into this game for the first time. Things like dumping bodies, knowing what an enforcer is, uh, took me a second to get acquainted with, which is curious because I think that usually games have some sort of tutorial like level built into the game itself, where the first 10 minutes, you know, teach you how to climb, teach you how to dump a body, maybe teach you how to kill somebody or snap their neck or pick up a weapon or whatever. The game itself does not teach you a lot of that stuff. The tutorial level does. Uh, which is like a guided tutorial um, of a fake mission that you can do, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, sort of my initial thoughts is it took me a second to get into it. But once you play through that first level and sort of understand the mechanics, the game really does get its hooks in you. And you're like, oh, wow, you can literally do like anything. There's like so a lot. So did you play the first level, then go back and play the tutorial? Yes, I had okay. to. Is that, is that when it clicked for you, then when you got to the second level? Because you actually had an understanding of what was going on? The first level tutorial was like the boat scenario, right? The fake. Because I never even did the tutorial. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Okay, yeah. I yeah. like wasn't understanding the game at all and had to go back and play the tutorial. And I'm really happy I did because I learned that like, okay, certain people, even if you're disguised, will still see through your disguise. Um, like, here's how dumping a body works. Here's how like unconscious witnesses work. All that stuff was super helpful for me. Um, again, that tutorial is optional. You don't have to play it. Um, I thought that there'd be a little bit more in-game or first level, first real mission level uh, introductions to things like that, but there there wasn't, but this is a sequel, so understandable. Yeah, that's interesting too, because I <laughs> I kept wondering while I'm playing, I'm like, I, I have the guard suit. Why is he harassing yeah. me? <laughs> like, yeah. Or I would leave like an unconscious witness and I would just be like sweating the whole time. Like, fuck, are they going to wake up? Yeah. Which actually in a weird part, I actually kind of liked that. I had no idea how that mechanic worked in a sense. Cause it added, well, admittedly it, it, it made me a bit more of a violent player. I would say <laughs> uh, with how I chose to handle unconscious witnesses, you know, leave uh, no, no loose strings uh, as, as they say. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Cause one of the things I liked about the game actually um was that it kind of left me to figure everything out on my own, right? And kind of left me to try and, you know, uh, figure out the world with interacting with the game and just levels in and of itself, right? Because um, for whatever reason, I'm sure there's, a, like you said, there's a game mechanic that explained, oh, this is why even after you put on this disguise, this character, this you know type of character will still harass you and kind of question you and raise suspicion around them. Where there's a gameplay mechanic that explains that, and then in my mindset, I'm thinking, oh, you know, the character that's harassing me, they're probably just like, they've been here a while, right? Or they're the guard detail, you know, like they're the captain, right? So they right. recognize that oh, this person's wearing a uniform, but like, I don't recognize they recognize me, right? And then I was explaining the game mechanics to myself that way. Um, oh, that's good. Which I think is cool because I think I, I'm not like critiquing any game that includes a tutorial. I think tutorials are great, but when a game enables you to learn about the world by interacting organically within that world and kind of trial and error. Cause I spent a lot of time like just fucking around the first level, just trying to see what worked, what didn't work, what will a guard notice, what will a guard notice. And when the game enables you to learn, learn the rules of the world, the systems learning of the, you know, yeah, um, totally. and pick everything up organically rather than through a, not forced but rather than through just a 
tutorial that's kind of spoon fed to you, it creates a very interesting and a little bit of a different gaming experience, I think. Totally. One thing I did learn um, organically was like the kind of the how the quest log really worked. Um, I'm calling it the quest log. I'm forgetting. I think they're called story missions in the game. Yeah. But story bas missions. basically, um, in the first level, there's kind of one way to do it. They just kind of walk you through how to kill the target and move on. Uh, and then they let you play the level differently and you can do it in a different scenario. They kind of let you play through two different things. But those quest logs um, or story missions in Hitman are not readily available to you when you start it off. You actually have to kind of explore your environment and pick up little mm -hmm. pieces of information and uh, what they call intel in the game. That and then you up, yeah. and then you unlock the quest log for that particular storyline, which will kill the target in a particular way, um, which I find super compelling. Honestly, it's like you you don't just go talk to, in any other game. You talk to an NPC or a uh, sort of quest is given to you in a very immediate way in a very obvious way but in hitman you actually have to walk around and then just pick up on a conversation to the side and bam you unlocked your quest or yeah. your story mission and now you can play through it and when you play through it it's pretty linear too um i mean it'll get you through the mission uh you have a little bit of leeway and creativity but it's going to kind of tell you what you got to do to to complete it right follow this guy here cool open that door rig this thing go there but then ultimately you can kill the target at any second. And yeah. I definitely broke the story mission uh, order of operations on the first mission. And I think on the second mission as well, because I was like, I can just kill this guy now. There's no one here. Let me just kill this guy. <laughs> just kill him <laughs> and dump the body. And um, as I went through and like I looked up highlights and clips online of how the mission was completed by other people, it was pretty cool to see like, oh, whoa, there was a lot of different paths you can take, you know? Yeah, it's a very, like we've been saying, it's a very much like a choose your own adventure game in that sense, it's sandboxy. Um, and going into game design, I mean, that's what I really liked about it too, is just how straightforward it was, but then how it also allows you the freedom to operate within the, the rules that the game sets, right? Because of course, if there's a moment where, you know, whoever walks off on their own for just a split second, you're probably going to be able to sneak in a kill some some way. I'm actually surprised. I didn't find that in the first mission that I played where the guy pretty much had like two body, one of the main guys, I forget his name, pretty much had like two main bodyguards around him the whole time. So I was kind of just like stalking him for a while. I never found that opportunity. So it's cool that you did. It just goes to the variety and things. Yeah. And there's, go ahead. And I, I was just going to say too, I, I love how like the, you know, you're given certain options that are very straightforward to get, like kill, like, you know, just, oh, here's a quick, I have my gun. Yeah, I'll just kill this guy real quick and then run away. Or you can follow the story missions and you can, you know, operate within those stories missions as much as you want. Maybe even only going halfway through a story mission will unlock something and you can just kind of get creative with how you want to try and take out your targets, which is a very interesting thing. Yeah. Or, or like I did one of the levels, which I can talk about a little bit. You can just play like a fucking Neanderthal and just try and brute force it. Um, <laughs> which, which, mission did you, which mission was that? The underground club level, actually. Um, so I was like, man, I, I, I played this game over the course of like, I think three or four nights where I was just doing a mission and I or two missions. And I think I started one of them at like 8.30 p.m. or 9 p.m. And in this particular mission, you don't have like sp specific targets that are clearly identified on your map. It's just, oh, there's three or, you know, there's like five agents you have to kill, find them and, and take them Find out them and kill them, yeah, yeah. Before they kill you type of thing. Um, 
and I'm kind of walking around there. I think I found one. I had no idea how to find the others, and I wasn't really finding like any good intel. So I just decided to do. I'm like, you know, I bet you they'll just come to me if I make some ruckus. So I kind of just started killing people. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool, actually. Um, I didn't. I, I I just like went to the back rooms and just started taking some people out. I took out like making noise by like making um. Like sh- not chandeliers, but like you know, stuff to fall from the rafters and just fall on people. And then sure enough, eventually they all just came to me. And then I, but I, I was just surviving by a combination of very quickly switching outfits with people like around corners, just to like have the guards take a little bit longer to recognize me and stuff like that. And, That's um, cool. It was a, it was an interesting way to play the game because up to that point, I'd followed every story mission to a T. And then or at this point, I was like, you know what, we're freeballing it. We're going, we're playing Call of Duty right now. No rush. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, I love yeah. that. That's cool. Um, I saw like, uh, I was watching the Dunkey video of Hitman uh, earlier today. And like, you can beat the first mission in like 16 seconds. Really? Or you beat the first mission. Yeah, because like one of the, so both, there's two targets in the very first mission. You're in a massive skyscraper in, I believe, Dubai. And um, yeah. the two targets are like looking out at a balcony on like the third or fourth floor when you first enter the building. So like it donkey shows like, you know, he just took out his pistol, shot guy number one, shot guy number two, and just ran for the exit. And he was just like, oh, cool. We beat the, we beat the first level in 16 seconds. Um, huh. I think you do need to like steal somebody's gun or something like that, or look at them at a certain time, but just kind of shows like, you know, every NPC is kind of on their own destined pathway where they just like walk here, walk to A, to B, to C, you do something, now they have to walk to E, you do something again, they walk to F, or they skip over that and go straight to G, whatever. Um, and just the amount of creativity that you can have with these playthroughs is really cool. You basically interrupt an NPC's schedule to go do something else. Yeah. Uh, so they do something else, and then they're in another area, then you can kill them there, you know? I, uh, I just took a quick second to watch that donkey video, and yeah, it's, it's literally great. 16 seconds. And as the exit, as there's the cinematic of him exiting, you just see bullets flying past him. And yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, there's like different um, exit routes too. Like I think I took an exit route on the first level. That was a parachute. Um, I think you can take like an elevator out, um, all these different things. You know, gameplay really takes, just jumping into game design even more, you know, gameplay really does take center stage here because, you know, I, I would say this is a pretty gamey, type of game it's a very video it lives on its gameplay yeah exactly it's got tons of replayability jank uh humor in the gameplay itself now uh and from what i understand the dlc is really great um there's you know dlc that you can do that's temporary dlc that's only around for a a limited time Uh, and there's also like evergreen missions that you can play Uh, the game is actually i would say exploration driven but not in a traditional or literal sense Um, if you want to play the game without a guide just walk around the level until you find something, you know, and that's sort of what exploration is, right? You you might be finding instead of like a hidden temple of Skyrim or Elden Ring or something like that, you're finding like a conversation between two NPCs mm-hmm. that'll clue you in on a story mission that you can unlock and you can go down that route. So it isn't explore exploration driven gameplay loop, which I find super compelling. Um, the funny thing about uh, about Hitman is that. It's a game that its story takes itself super seriously, but its gameplay is like on the opposite end where its gameplay is like humorous, super silly, uh, creative and experimental. You can kill people 
through accidental death. Um, you could explode something on them. You could just run up and strangle them if there's no guards around them. You could throw them off a building. You could, there's even a kill where you rig a parachute so it doesn't activate and then they die that way. Huh. Um, they just jump off a building with a parachute and they, it doesn't activate and they die. Huh. Um, but the, the story is like dead serious. It's Agent 47. This is a very serious situation. You need to kill this man here because he killed this person. He's taking over the world and he's doing this. It's like so dead serious that I kind of want to laugh sometimes where I'm like, okay, like story's already a little bit hard to follow. I'm I'm here for the gameplay. Yeah, uh, and this yeah. like monologue as to why I got to kill this guy, it's interesting and can be pretty cool. But at the same time, it's like, it's not that serious, guys. You can kill someone with a banana. Like, it's not that crazy. But what is cool, you know, if if you do really care about that stuff, the story, it does make it. If you're willing to do the extra reading, you know, read the player bios and really do your little bit of an effort to understand the story, it really you know, they do well of building an actual like lore into the world and stuff, you know, which is worth acknowledging. On that note, though, by all accounts, from what I can tell, the story is convoluted as hell. Um, <laughs> I mean, I rewatched like twice. I forget the user. I mean, the video, I apologize, but I rewatched a YouTube video twice just summarizing Hitman 1 and 2 in preparation for Hitman 3. And I was still kind of like, wait, huh? And then... As I'm watching these cutscenes of Hitman 3, the game, I'm watching it, and even as I'm going through watching it, I'm like, you know, even if I had full context of what was happening, I can't imagine these cutscenes would not come off as just disjointed and incredibly confusing. Would you agree? I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. And it's tough because, you know, we are playing a sequel. We haven't played any games in the in this trilogy, so we're going to be missing good chunks. But just from from mission to mission... There's like hardly a link that I can understand. Like, okay, I just killed this guy in uh, at a winery in Argentina. I'm not quite understanding how I ended up in this other location. Or like from, from mission like two to three was probably the most confusing thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mission three was the underground club one called Apex Predator. Mission two was a mansion in England or something to kill like an aristocrat like family that like secretly ran the world or whatever. Um, But the jump from one country to the other country, someone died in between like, like one of your kind of guys, like one of your allies committed suicide. All of a sudden you're in this club. All of a sudden there's a crashed car in an abandoned gas station and a dead ICA agent. It was like, okay, like I'm wondering if I missed something. It turns out I didn't. It's just the, the scenarios are really creative and really cool, but how they get us to those scenarios is very confusing um, yeah. in this game. But I'm not there for the for the for the story necessarily. Like I said, it's it's really the gameplay taking center stage. But what's perhaps the most interesting thing about this game is when it and its very final level, at least as far as the main story goes, it totally, completely departs from everything it's done well as a video game. Yeah, um, it becomes the most linear third person shooter which at that point is even that fun of a third person shooter because as we mentioned already the shooting mechanics and things aren't that great because it's not designed to be like a fast gameplay game um and it's so linear to the point where you're literally on a track on a train yep you are very literally on a linear path 
um, just progressing train car through train car to get to your target ultimately. And it really doesn't leave that much room to, it leaves a little room for deception with like wearing certain disguises, but not other really. than that does not really <laughs> leave any room for creativity does not leave any room for kind of the trademark gameplay that up to that point, you know, from Hitman one or, you know, from the previous levels you've played in that I imagine is trademarked to Hitman one and two as well. Maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe, maybe this is a, a typical thing that happens in Hitman games at the final level. I don't know, but I was just so blown away with how incredibly lame and linear the yeah, final level yeah. was. You're just going from the end of the train to the front of the train to kill the guy. And it and sucks because it comes off such a good level too. I mean, the level before that, I literally lowered this like, you know, Providence bitch into, <laughs> excuse me. I just, just. <laughs> no, she was though. She was really, uh, she, she was she, not a great character. She was not a nice lady. Yeah. Um, respect women. <laughs> I, I lowered this Providence character into uh, a fucking grape, grape yes. masher at a yeah. winery. And it got her caught up in that. It was incredible, you know, yeah. everyone's just, I like press it when no one's looking and then everyone turns around and they're like, oh, where'd she go? And meanwhile, it's just like soaking. I don't know. It was just incredible. That was cool. Yeah, <laughs> I liked that. that was like my favorite death for sure. And then I, we get that in the next level and I'm just kind of left disappointed to be blunt. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, that's, that was like a big glaring thing um, I wanted to put here in game design was like, game design's great, super creative, super fun. But the last level, there's six missions in this game. One sixth, right? It's a shorter mission. It's the easiest mission by far. It's the most linear mission, literally being railroaded. Um, and it, I don't know. It's uh, it was it was really disappointing at the end there. Um, and I understand they set up some room for a sequel with the story and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of the gameplay design. Uh, yeah, the game design was just so lame in that last level and it was very disappointing. Yeah, I'm sure the DLC is great. I'm sure there's extra stuff that's really fun. Um, we didn't we didn't get a chance to dive into it. We were just playing the base game for for this episode here. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd be surprised to hear big supporters of that final mission. Uh, I, I, I just don't think it was all that great. You know, I think I think the winery mission was better, which is mission number five. Mission number one was better, in my opinion, even mm -hmm. than that. Allowed for more creative scenarios, more creative deaths. Um, I don't know. Really dropped the ball well, on that, that last one, yeah. That said, though, all that aside, barring that final level, I really do give Hitman a lot of praise for... Hitman 3, a lot of praise for feeling like a very open-ended game with how you choose to play it and very adventurous and like you mentioned exploration heavy in a sense when it's really just a level by level game it's not open world you know i think today we get so caught up in open world games that's just kind of the you know if you make a third party game it's not open world what do you mean it's like type of thing right yeah i think yeah. <laughs> i think the expectation nowadays is for most games to be open world and to play a game that's so well done that's not open world that still has those elements of exploration and whatnot is really cool yeah i agree i agree it is it's fun too because each level you can kind of pick a different loadout when you want to replay it you can start off in a different location in that level you can start off mm -hmm. with like a weapon stashed away in that level um which is really cool like there's a lot of replayability within like the open-ended world of every level there's like permutations to it which i think is really solid 
Um, but yeah, uh, that's all, that's all to the game's credit for sure. All of that kind of goes away on the last level, ironically enough. Um, but yeah, uh, good stuff. Yeah. All right. Moving on to art style. So this is made in the glacier engine. Lucas, <laughs> um, this is IO interactive. As far as I could tell their proprietary homemade engine. Um, it looks good. Uh, it looks yeah, really, I really agree. good. I, you played on the Xbox, right? Yeah, no, I played on, uh, yes, I played on Xbox one. Exactly. Yeah. You played on PS five. I did right? play on the PS five and, uh, I thought it looked really good. I don't have any super provocative thoughts beyond that. Um, I will say, I think the environments looked very realistic, not even so much just from a graphical standpoint, but like the set design, it wasn't overly fantastical. And I will say though, there is one mission where I think you're in either, I think you're in China. Um, and it's almost like a cyberpunky China type yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's a straight up Blade Runner level. Blade yeah. Runner level. And it really, really sick. Uh, really cool lighting design in that, which is all the different, um, I don't know the word, electronic billboards, whatever you call them. Um, and it looked really, really good. And what they do so well is the you know these environments are also interactable right they build these beautiful interactable environments and whether that's shooting down a chandelier or um you're rigging something to fall you know it gives you opportunity to interact with this very realistic world whether or not things interact in a way that makes sense with modern physics the way we view physics or not is another topic but it's cool it's really cool and something I think really deserves praise as well is just the amount of NPCs they have in these games. Totally. Um, the huge re- crowds. Yeah, it really, really does feel like a, you know, living, breathing world in that sense. You know, from the fr- barring the last level again, the first level in particular, it genuinely feels like, oh, this is a giant party. You know, this is a giant um you know, banquet or gathering, what have you. And it's so interesting too, because you have these, you know, these just mindless NPCs that go around, you know, drinking or talking or whatever, like the main foyer. And then you go backstage, these NPCs that have their own very clearly, not clearly defined, but their own defined routes that are acting in a way that makes sense, given what their job is or what their role is, you know, even not even just a security guard patrolling and something as simple as a stage technician, you know, working around their area or checking pieces and parts of the stage. And they all operate within those environments and the set pieces to build a very realistic game experience. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's cool too. Cause like each one of these NPCs is interact interactive, right? I mean, you have all these NPCs, there's a massive crowd of people that says a lot about the engine, but what also says a lot about the engine is each one of those NPCs can be killed right there at that moment can be like subdued. I mean, if you did it out in the public in front of everybody in the main foyer, then yeah, you just, the security guards would see you and you would just get shot and lose the level. Um, I just think it's interesting that the engine can handle that kind of thing. It's pretty awesome. Um, But in in terms of art style, um, I said, you know, I played on Xbox one, look great, look like a a, a current gen game. Um, I wouldn't say that it was like astounding in any sort of way i think it played it pretty safe in terms of what it showed barring that fourth level that fourth level it got a lot of a lot of creativity in terms of the art design um and the art style it just got really really interesting i'd say it really did look like a futuristic cyberpunky blade runner level set in china um that was awesome uh the train level the last level was like really bland um didn't really look like much the winery looked really cool that was a fully outdoor level that was really fun um 
And, you know, they did a really great job with the art style. They're kind of mimicking a lot of like Argentinian winery architecture and things like that. Um, it was fun. You know, I think the game art style did a really good job of kind of like environmental design in terms of like secret back doors and things like that. Like when you got behind the scenes in a facility, whether you snuck into like a garage or a secret operation that was happening, maybe underground at the winery, it was like, oh, whoa, this is like a really cool creative way to show that environment or create that environment, right? Like I remember I went um, like into the production room at the winery where you get that kill in the grape crusher, one of the options there. And like, you see these massive barrels, you see these long tubes kind of transporting wine or grapes or whatever bins. And you're like, oh, wow, they did a really great job with the environment design mm -hmm. of this. Looks like they kind of took some, you know, pictures or found resource material for a real winery production room in the back. I've certainly never seen one, but this feels like a winery production back room to me. And then there's a step further where you go into a secret room in a secret hallway behind like a wine barrel. And it's like, okay, this is kind of taking it to the next level. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was just, it, it all came together to make it just feel like a very real world, which is mm -hmm. harder, harder than it sounds in games. You know, it's like the same thing of... It's like a movie without extras wouldn't feel right, you know? Oh, yeah, a, totally. a video game without proper NPCs and background characters wouldn't feel right either. So given given context, obviously, but in most settings, uh, it wouldn't feel right. So they do a very, very good job here of blending it all together to make it work. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, sound design. Uh, I'll start here. Um, it's kind of funny. Sound design, I just wasn't really over the moon about. I wouldn't say it's anything bad. Um, Would you say you weren't to the moon on it? I wasn't to the moon on it. Um, oh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I didn't realize that, you know, the, we've been using the phrase going to the moon to talk about stocks for so long. I just forgot that the game. We never made that joke. I'm blown away. Um, anyway, sound design. <laughs> I'll say, uh, you know, we talk about this podcast every time that game games need really really great sound design but nothing really stuck out to me in terms of sound design i as far as like music or like cues i think the game did a really good job of giving you information via sound of like eavesdropping on conversations and stuff like that i would say that's the only time sound design is used in an interesting way or a really a way that sticks out at you um you get the occasional like Op use of like an interesting opera song to make the game feel really epic or you know to use this certain type of music style that maybe doesn't fit the violence or kind of broed out nature of what you're really doing which is just being a badass um i'm not sure i really like the usage of that kind of music i know it was really big in the hitman movie mm -hmm. um a little while ago in 2007 i think it falls a little flat because the game is just kind of funny you know, it's like sometimes it the music, you, it can't take itself too seriously. It should. Yeah. But the sometimes the use of some music for the sound design did take itself a little too seriously. Like with those opera tracks, it was like, oh, but it's like, I'm yeah. fucking, I'm sh throwing a screwdriver at a guy into his face and killing him. <laughs> it's like, it was just, it was another example of like a certain aspect of the game, not really lining up with the other aspect of the game. But then again, maybe that's why it's funny is because it is like taking itself seriously in one sense and then like yet the gameplay is going in the opposite direction. So I don't know, um, kind of a kind of hard to make a decision one way or the other there. But yeah, what do you think of sound design? Honestly, I had zero thoughts on it when I was <laughs> when I when I was going through our 
outline we do for prep and I came across the sound design um, uh, category, I just thought, oh yeah, that's a thing in games, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, it didn't stand out negatively. It didn't stand out positively. It just, it was, was. kind of just good. Yeah. Yeah. It was fine. I wouldn't even say good. It was, it was fine. It was fine. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, really quickly, something I forgot to note earlier, which is with the kind of game and art. This game actually has a VR mode, which is really interesting. Ooh, I like that. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. I uh, would be super curious if I ever get a PlayStation VR headset, which I don't know, I'll probably get the next one whenever it comes out for the, the PSVR 2, whatever it's called. I'll probably end up. Um, Cop in at one of those bad boys to see what's cracking, but I'd be very curious to see how this game plays in VR. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, sound NPC. design, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sound design was whatever is fine. You're not going to find anything crazy. Opera music being used. Cool. Sounds good. Then you just kind of laugh it off because it was out of place. That's kind of where, it's <laughs> kind of where my head was. Uh, jumping over to the NPC award, Matt, what you got? I got uh, one of your first targets in the game. Actually, my very first kill. Uh, target kill. Anyways, Marcus Stuviasant, or whatever this guy's name is. Like. I couldn't pronounce his last name either. Either. <laughs> Just a fucking idiot, man. He cracked <laughs> me up. Like, his death was one of the funniest things to me. Yeah, how'd you know. kill? Run me through. How'd you kill him? So I did the story mission for him, where basically you just impersonate his bodyguard, and then he takes you to a relatively secluded area, and he's like, oh, he's like giving you like his whole life story. Like he thinks he's the hottest shit in the world. And then he's like, Oh, my, my father only said you can trust a man. If he can throw a knife, anyone, <laughs> anyone can shoot a gun, but can you throw a knife? <laughs> so you, to earn his trust, you have to pass this really basic, just knife throwing sequence, which the game has like auto aim. So it's not hard. And then after the, that, he's just like, Oh yes, I can trust you now. And then you just left so there holding a knife. This guy's asking to get killed. This guy's just asking to get killed. And he's just left there standing on a windy top in Dubai, windy windy skyscraper. He's standing next to a ledge without any guard railing. And you can, I think I just I think I think just threw the knife at him and then just watched him fall. You could have pushed him either way, but I was just like, man, what a... Man, you, what a, just, what a loser. I think he wanted to die. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, and I, I just thought that was so funny. Um and yeah, I mean, it's kind of the PC award. And this one was kind of weird because you don't really build any emotional attachments with the characters in this one. And you and I didn't have any previous experience playing these games. So it's not like we're going to be really tied to any of, you know, Agent 47's, um, what's any of his not, companions, or, companions or whatever, yeah. or whatever. So I kind of just went with whichever target I got the most kick out of. Yeah, oh, I love it. I I didn't choose a target, but it it my NPC award does involve a kill. Okay, my NPC award is uh, I forgot his name. It's the guy that gives the wine tour. Uh, love oh, that guy. Yeah, he just yeah. didn't didn't see a thing. He <laughs> didn't know what the <laughs> hell was going on. Um, so just to I choose to believe he somehow saw and just was like, eh. just eh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Too too much paperwork. Uh, we were, we, so we've been talking about him here on the pod, but basically there's a level, it's one of the funnest kills in the game. Uh, it's on a winery in Argentina and, uh, you kind of go through, disguise yourself as somebody who's taking a wine tour or a tour of the winery, the head wine product producer or wine, I guess, craftsman. I'm not sure the name of somebody that 
creates wine. But he gives you a tour of the winery, takes you to the production of the back room, and then he you one of the targets that you want to kill steps into the wine grape crusher. You turn it on, it crushes her and she dies, and no one sees it at all. Their backs are just turned. I know. And like I think the dialogue that the wine tour guy gives is like, Oh, where'd your friend go? Blood everywhere. <laughs> and then and then it's just like, I don't know. I think she went to go take a phone call. Uh, we should just move on with the tour. And he's like, okay. And you just go. I'm like, man, this is hilarious. Like, that's what I mean by gamey. Like, it's it's not, it, it's silly in a way, you know? It's like you crush someone in this really kind of violent way. There's blood everywhere. And like the way it's dealt with by the characters in the world, it has to be dealt with that way in order for, for it to make any sort of sense at all. It has to be like, oh, I don't know. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah. And and it does, you know, and you move on. And and uh it's super gamey, it's super hilarious. Uh that's why that's why that guy wins my NPC award. Yeah, loved him. Five stars for him, five star winery. Yes. Be buying a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh what do we got next? Uh companion, companion piece? piece. Yes. All right. Uh, Give it I'll to go. us, Matt. The Jason Bourne movies. Have you ever seen Okay, those? yeah. Love that. Um I'll be honest, it's been a minute since I've seen them, but I just remember that being like a assassin movie that I thought was really good. And it's about an assassin that I think loses his memory. And I know that's kind of a plot point here is that Agent 47 doesn't have all his memories. So that's uh, that's my companion piece. I know they're okay. great movies and they're well-renowned, so I highly recommend checking it out. Solid. The Born, Matt Damon. The Born Identity. Mm-hmm. The Born Supremacy. Supremacy the Born Ultimatum. Born Ultimatum. That's right. Go, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Mine is going to be the 1825 opera song composed by Franz Schubert, Ave Maria. Okay. Uh, it was actually used in the trailer, I remember, and used in the movie for the original Hitman, or the movie that came out in 2007. I think I think there was two Hitman movies that came out. Um, and, you know, there's a 2007 Hitman film that had been released. Um, I don't think it really did that well. Um, I think it was a financial success, but it wasn't very critically received. Um, mm-hmm. I never, I certainly never saw it, but I do remember the trailer being like really hype back in the day. Um, and that song, you know, it's funny. Uh, and this is going to be some spoiler territory for those of you that have not seen the Batman, but this song plays a very prominent role in the new Batman movie as well with, with Robbie P and, uh, Paul Dano and what have you. So, uh, songs kind of been on my head a little bit. The opera music in Hitman, the game, kind of reminded me of it. And I checked out the trailer, and I was like, "Oh man, yeah, songs, songs, pretty badass." <laughs> Love it. All right, favorite moment. Favorite moments. Um, the third mission, actually, when I just went on a rampage in the club, <laughs> um, namely just because I, I, I thought it was just so funny because you know up to that point I'd been playing the game in such a sneaky manner. And then I, I really enjoyed being able to see the variety in the gameplay and what else you can do in the gameplay. And I got kicked out of it. And it was one of the more gamey moments where like I, I put on a different uniform that I was wearing when I walked by the person that comes to check on me after I killed someone. And they're and I'm standing next to like three dead bodies and the guy walks and he's just like, oh, who, who, who are you? Who could have done? Who are you? Who could have done this? Who are you? Wait Barcode tattoo on the back of yeah, your head yeah. that anyone would notice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty great. Just got a kick out of it. My my favorite moments are the opposite. Uh, it's on the fourth level 
where you you did a scenario. I'm not sure if you did this one, but there's a scenario or story path you can do. There's two targets on level f- on the fourth level. I actually mm-hmm. played the fourth level twice. Um, I played the fourth level and then my save got messed up uh, and I had to replay it. I got halfway through it. Oh. My first playthrough, I actually kind of snuck through a building, played it stealthily and killed the dude. I think his name is... Um, oh, I forgot his name, but he's one of the guys... That you have to kill in one building, killed him, and then I was on my way to kill the second person, and then I just didn't end up, uh, you know, my save got messed up. So um, when I went through the level again, I did a different scenario where you actually get them both on the same balcony at the exact same time, and uh, that was yeah. super cool. Um, if you can hear the helicopter above my head, then please you know they please found they, yeah they found, they found okay. them that was super loud <laughs> there's like a fly zone over my apartment and it's super annoying um anyway there's a scenario where you get them both on the balcony at the same time and you have a sniper and you can just shoot them both at the same time you kill both your targets um and it really just showed me how stretched you can uh st- how much you could stretch the scenario and how creative you know you can really get because in my first playthrough i was thinking okay let's go to that roof kill that guy let's go to this underground facility and kill this person but no didn't have to do any of that and have to go into a single building just shot both of them by setting up a scenario where they both be in the same place at the same time yeah. pretty cool and then that game does ultimately have a pretty fun escape sequence at the end of it when you finish there the is, final yes there's a pretty Pretty interesting one there too, for sure. All right, nitpicks. Uh, feels a little clunky at times with the gameplay, but the main nitpick for me is just that the last, it's the last mission, man. It is so lame. Me too. Yeah. It really, <laughs> I remember I, I finished playing it and I was just so blown away by how boring it was, how lame it was. Yeah, the final kill with your final ne- enemy, I guess, didn't feel earned by any means. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah, a very, very boring linear final mission, and I was very disappointed by it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. You know, there's a term in tabletop board games like uh, Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder when a DM is just like pushing their party, their characters in a very specific direction. It's called railroading. It's largely viewed mm-hmm. a, like as a negative thing. Like, oh, you know, when a DM just railroads their characters, their parties, you know, it's like they're not giving them any creative reign to go explore this this cave this way or giving them too many clues to like push them in the very obvious direction that the DM wants them to go. And like <laughs> quite literally the last level was a railroad was getting railroaded because uh, you're just on a train. Um, and I kind of like my head went back to that. I was like, oh God, this is the, this is going against everything that the game set out to do from the beginning in the previous five missions, uh, you know, whatever. Um, I would say my that, that's a nitpick of mine. And the other nitpick is really like the, uh, I understand, again, grain of salt here. Take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. We are playing a sequel. We haven't played the original games, but I was just super confused by that story. Mission to mission. Um, outside of the context of Hitman 1 and 2, um, I just don't understand how I went from location A in yeah, mission 2 yeah. and went from scenario, you know location B in, in scenario 3. It just like quite literally made zero sense. Uh, yeah. I watched the I should mentioned that as well. I, yeah. I like it wasn't um I, I I like watched the scenario twice and I was like, "Okay, wait, how did I end up here? Did I miss something?" I like read the Wikipedia, I watched a video and like I just don't see how I I just don't see how that was a cohesive story even if you did play the 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 games, you know, that actually led up to this this penultimate game. 
But um, hey, maybe you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, for those of you that may be really big Hitman fans, you know, let me know if I'm missing something. If this is how the other Hitman games are, that's very interesting. I'd like to know how those function. Yeah. Um, but the game just didn't do a great job conveying what the hell was happening. And, uh, and to be fair, too, it's probably not the point, right? You I know? get it. I get it. But, but it it does. It is it not is a game a, that's neglecting its story. It yeah. is still trying to tell a story. And like, yes. and you know, the cinematics are cool. Graphically, they're really awesome. They're super compelling. When they go, here's your target. They come from old money, oil family. They've been ruling the world secretly for 150 years. And this is like this eighth generation son who's a piece of shit. You got to kill him. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I like that. Like, yeah. I want to kill him. Yeah, that sounds fun. But like, it's like... Oh my God, Agent 47, I've been compromised. You're now in Germany. It's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, like how did that happen? Like, why am it's, I in Germany? Yeah, and that's like, that. that's pretty wild. Um, but I, I, I guess to go along with that, it's less, I mentioned this in a pick a little bit earlier, is just, you know, it, it takes the story in, in this very serious manner and then has really hilarious gameplay and really funny like ways that the scenarios play out. That's probably why, you know, thinking about it, why it's so funny is because the, that juxtaposition, um, maybe it's not even really a nitpick, but just those two contrasting things are like a little like, is that intentional? Is this funny on purpose or is it just kind of funny because it's funny? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Again, one of my critiques as well. Very weird choice, but either way, not the end of the world. Probably not the point of the game, but I think it should have been better either way. I agree with you there. For sure. Uh, Lucas, would you play other games from this developer? Yep, I definitely would. Um, I'm down for more Hitman games. Uh, absolutely, if they're as funny. I know that a lot of the other ones are more linear. Um, this is uh, by far the most creative sandboxy one. So I think it might be hard to go by, go back to the old ones, but I'm down to give them a try. And maybe there, maybe the story is more compelling than I give it credit for, um, and there's there's a lot more to be said there. So, uh, catching up on the story would be pretty cool too. Yes, absolutely, and yeah, I'm excited to see whatever comes next within the. Um, I read as well that it's not going to be the last Hitman game, but they plan on do kind of switching up the formula a bit with whatever the next one is, and I'm very curious to see whatever their project 007, uh, yeah, project is going to be. So we'll see. Um, definitely overall earned this wave of approval for me. Fun, had a good time. No complaints. Lucas did earn your seal of approval. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. I think that it's a it's a good game, you know? Like if it's on if it's available to download for people like um on Game Pass or it's on sale or your friend has a copy, you find a used one at a GameStop or something, grab it. Um it'll be a fun weekend for you. Um, especially if you've always been curious. I think it's a great time to jump in. Mm -hmm. uh to the hitman to you know to the hitman series there's just so much going on in this game uh it's a lot of fun for sure absolutely love it uh all right lucas you want to count us down to our yeah let's hit let's hit our ratings so for those of you listening for the first time uh rating score is me and matt giving it a rating out of 10 we add that up and uh that is our score out of 20 that becomes the thanks for playing score for all eternity all right matt Mm -hmm. three two one Eight. eight. All right. Yeah. yeah. A- I was expecting an eight from you. Um, you know, one sixth of the game is really disappointing. That's a mm-hmm. that's a good chunk. <laughs> you yeah. know, the final mission. It's more than one sixth because it's supposed to be like the climax, right? Um, I think that last mission really just left a bad taste in our mouth. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, kind of a shallow story. Uh, 
not that uh, again grain of salt i'm missing a lot of the story but um wasn't super super i feel like this is one of me. the first episodes actually where we haven't just all right spoiled the story because like who gives a fuck about this <laughs> yeah, this exactly yeah yeah i mean from uh, anybody playing the game let us know if this story is like godly and just <laughs> super good yeah. and we just missed the whole thing i don't think so but uh let, let us know yeah uh, what are your final Could thoughts be. what do you mean what do you think Cool game, really fun premise. I'd, I'd be interested to go back and play the previous um, Hitman and now as well. And I'm very curious to see what they do with the franchise going forward and any other future projects this developer makes. Story, trash, broken, made no sense. It's Nate. Right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, I think that is all we got today. Matt, where can the good people listening find us online? Yes, everyone, you can find us online at TFP Podcast. That's TFP Podcast with an S at the end. Um, you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram at those. You can shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. And then as well, you can find our Discord in the link tree on any of our social medias as well as on our website at thanksforplaying.live. And hey, you know, if you enjoyed the podcast, leave a review. Let us know what you think uh, on wherever you listen to your podcast. Maybe you saw us on YouTube. I don't know. Um, leave a review, leave a follow, subscribe. It helps the podcast grow. It helps us get out there organically and get the good word more p- good people like you. Awesome. That's right. Uh, if you want to follow me anywhere on Instagram, you can follow me um, at goodidealucas. Uh, if you want to shoot me a DM, feel free to shoot me a DM there. Otherwise, you could hit me up on Discord. Um, lately, have not been playing that much Magic the Gathering. I was doing that a lot on Magic the Gathering Arena. But now, full attention on Elden Ring. Um, started. It's been a really, really cool journey so far. First Souls game. We are doing it for the podcast um, in a month's time, and we are super, super excited. Yeah, for any listeners of the pod that follow us on Instagram or any of our other socials, uh, you'll probably will have noticed a lack, a distinct lack of <laughs> uh, content lately. I'll be honest, between life and Elden Ring, we just don't have time for anything else right now. So Yeah, hey, Matt's been traveling. Uh, I've been playing some Elden Ring, uh, spending some time with family. Work's been crazy, you know. Um, apologies for the lack of TikTok reels, but hey, we're, give you, we're giving you a podcast every single Thursday, um, and you will like it yes. for sure. Yes, they will. All right, love it. All right, everyone, this has been – thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Skibbity-bop! <laughs>